This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and I talk with my hands, even though you can't see me doing it. And this episode was suggested by listener Nicole, who suggested... Apricots. Yay! I cannot believe. Okay, this is episode number 505. Yeah. For those who are counting. It's taken us this long to talk about apricots. I have to level with you. I don't know if I like apricots. So we're sitting here with a bunch of apricots on the table. It looks like a fucking still life right here. And Matthew was just like, "Uh, what what should we do with these? No, what I meant was like, do we need like a knife? Do you want to like cut them with a knife or well, so, something? So one thing I want to talk about here is that apricots are one uh, like the only fruit that I usually before I reach for a knife, I try to pull them like into two pieces just with my hands. Okay. I, I don't think I do that with any other fruit. I mean, there are fruits that I that I do that <laughs> using my teeth. Like I, we just got some cherries. Mm. Have you tried have you tried these? Yeah, but I don't usually like um separate them into two halves. I understand. Yeah, although you know when, I mean? when you when you do, like they look like a little. I was gonna say like, like a like cherry a, that's been cut in half, looks sort of like an avocado, <laughs> but that's not true. No, it's not true at all. But you know what, Matthew? I'm so glad that you brought up cherries because actually, wait a minute, aren't wait are the are they droops? Are cherries droops? Oh, you know they're droops because apricots are droops, and we're gonna get to that. These are these are all like like rose family fruits, right? I don't know. Genus Prunus. Genus Prunus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. But anyway, first we should begin on memory lane here with with apricots. And I'm going to lead us off. Please. So I remember as a kid, I just remember it being like a thing about my mom, a.k.a. Tony Negroni, that she liked apricots. And I remember her getting excited when apricots would appear in the grocery store. I remember her coming home. And I think she was the first person I ever saw kind of put her finger in the the stem end and pry an apricot apart into two halves. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm excited to try that. It sounds really like sensual and tactile. Yeah, you can try it later with your spouse. 
we're just each going to have an apricot and just kind of dig our thumbs in there and <laughs> yes. see, see how it goes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I okay. like it. Okay. Because I mean, these do, they, they do have a very like, like sort of human like shape. Yeah. You did just compliment one of these apricots on its, it's the shape of its rear end. Oh yeah. No, it's thick. It is. It's. These are, these are some thick, thick cots. Memory lane. Okay. So first of all, like when you mentioned that, like, I feel like I remember, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this this one's really anatomical. It really is. Okay, yeah. go on. Um, so it like like the the millennials would be definitely into eating this. <laughs> Wait a minute, what do millennials have to do with there's, it? There's there's like a like a conventional wisdom is that millennials love eating ass. They just do it all day long, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm serious. Oh my god, this show is not safe for June. <laughs> okay. Um, but what else? Wait a minute. What? Hold, what else? Hold what? on. Wait. Mille- where does this kind of stuff come from? I don't know. I mean, I assume it's probably true. <laughs> what is our? Okay. Well, you're we're Generation I, X. Yeah, but I'm like really on the. You're cusp. really on the cusp. You're almost a millennial, but I think the judges are going to rule against you. Yeah. On this one. No, I think like spiritually, I'm more Generation X. And what are we known for liking to eat? Um, I mean, I guess like uh, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take that. Uh, wait a minute. Like, what are we known for? Like, like sexually? I mean, well, I, I don't know because we because we're like like out, the generation after like the sexual revolution. We're like the generation that has like depressed sex. You oh, know? I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> no, at all. Oh. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, I was just thinking like grunge meets oh, okay. sex. That, yeah, that's interesting. Like. You know, man in the box is playing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Someone I know, I'm not going to say who, like once got set up on a date with some dude. And anyway, like they were having a nice time or whatever. And they were back at his place and he (laughs) went into like the bathroom or the bedroom and emerged totally naked okay. with death metal playing in the background and i can't imagine That's such a bold move anything like, yeah less terrifying like it, it anything more terrifying than that like i'm gonna say like naked guy who surprises you with his nakedness yeah, and he's playing death metal these are this is like maybe he thought like these two surprises together would kind of cancel each other out and go back around to being like cool or alluring but i don't think he was right right I should, you should try it later here's here's what i think i think our generation is known for being like the generation that's really good at oral and the reason we're so good at it is because we listen to man of the box so many times and we just go la 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 <laughs> wait a minute you've been working on that the whole time i was telling this little mini story yes of course right? ah! <laughs> Is that what it's like? Is like, that, is that what's is, like? Wait, is that how you, what it's like? When, yeah, that's how I do. I, I like sing really loud. <laughs> no, no. But you just stick your tongue out and go like la la la. For the for the sake of the joke, let's say yes. Okay, that's how that's how it's done. Wow, I did it. I, I, I've been doing it wrong. This was good. All these I feel years. like our, our show like got kind of dirty yeah. for a while, and then we kind of backed off of that for a couple of years, and now I think we're back. I licked the mic a whole bunch. Yeah, oh, that's definitely how it's done. That's how it's done. Okay, Mike, here we go. Mike is really doing well. Um, 
Okay, uh, apricot memory lane. Oh, so no, I'm not ready for apricot memory lane yet. But when you said that that uh, like you, it was just a known thing that your mom was into apricots. Like that that made me think of like when I was little. Like were there there foods that I associated with my parents? And I know that both my parents hated beets and still do. Okay, and that my dad had like a whole array of dad foods that yeah. he was into, like kimchi and like pickled fish and smoked fish and stuff. Yep, gefilte fish. Like God, dad, su- such boomer, dad foods. boomer dad. And weird fish, like, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. <laughs> no, no, like, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a match made in heaven. That's that's what their generation is known for, mm-hmm. mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, I'm trying to think, like, what is a thing that like my mom really liked? And I know both of them, they would go out to this this Greek restaurant, and I don't remember like any particular dish that they were into, but they loved Greek food, and I kind of got the idea that this was like a thing that that wasn't for kids, which probably oh. the children of Greece would disagree. <laughs> Yeah, I love the idea that Greek food is not for kids. It was. It was just it's like, like it's like you'll find out about it when you're older. Exactly. It was an inference that I made just because like it was the restaurant they liked to go to on date night, and obviously I wasn't invited along. How often did they have date night, Richard and Judy? I don't know. I mean, certainly, I'm sure they would say not often enough since they had three kids. I'm gonna say based on my hazy memories, once every two months. Okay. Wow, that's tough with three kids. But I could be I could be off by an order of magnitude. Uh, Judy, let it, let us know. Yeah. Let us know. How often did you go to with, uh, the Alexis? Is that the name of the Greek restaurant? That's what I remember in Portland. In Portland. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. Um, okay. Apricot memories. I ate a lot of dried apricots as a kid. I remember like the taste and especially the texture of those dried apricots really well. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a really standard snack. Oh, the texture is so memorable. And I feel like the 80s, when I was thinking about this, were a real dried fruit decade. I think you're right. So something that I um, something that I remember distinctly, like learning about Brandon, ex-spouse of the show Brandon, right. was that he despised dried fruit. And it was because like he, there was so much like snacking on dried fruit when he was a kid. Like his parents, yeah, his parents were like, well, his parents were also sort of recovering hippies slash like quote health food nuts sure uh so there was like a lot of dried fruit being forced upon him at any given time and and he was a child of the 80s so yes yeah that makes sense like i think the the, like the array of dried fruit that's available has kind of has kind of diversified since we Mm. were kids i think because like craisins uh craisins dried pineapple and mango i feel like are really popular now and really good like when i was taking a uh, Japanese class all summer at UW a few years ago. Every day for a snack, I would bring a peanut butter power bar and uh, some Trader Joe's dried pineapple. Oh yes, I it remember. Was really good. I remember learning about dried pineapple from you. Oh wow, well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it was an idea that I came up with. I had a pineapple; it dried out. <laughs> And when Baby of the Show December, Teenager of the Show December was a baby, we tried to feed them a pureed apricot from the farmer's market as a first food and, like, didn't really take. No bueno. I mean, they didn't, like, have a reaction one way or another other than, like, why are we doing this? (laughs) I remember, uh, as I've discussed on the show before, I remember seeing you, Lori, and then baby of the show December in like a baby Bjorn at the university farmers and you were market. very intimidated I was very intimidated but I th- I you know that would probably would have been around the time that you were purchasing yeah. an apricot for then baby of the show That's right December. you might have been there I might have been there yeah okay yeah. okay so let's talk about like what these things are. Okay, well you did the research, so you tell me. I have no idea. Okay, so uh, so apricots are a species of the genus Prunus. 
genus Prunus. It's really fun to say, right? Uh, which is the same genus as other stone fruits. I mean, plums for sure. Yeah, there we go. Peaches, and nectarines. The most commonly cultivated Fluots. apricot species is Prunus armeniaca. How do you think you say that? I like armeniaca. Ar- arm- it sounds like a death mean- metal band. Armeniaca? No, that's not right. Armeniaca. Armeniaca. That maybe but that's Armeniaca right. Armeniaca is, is so <laughs> yeah, metal. It's so metal. Enter Sandman. <laughs> um, Carrying an apricot in each hand. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, so this, you know, this is the mo- most cultivated apricot species. Exit light, enter fruit. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and it's been grown in Armenia, hence the name, yeah. uh, since ancient times, according to Wikipedia. In fact, it's been cultivated there for so long that for a long time it was thought to have originated The people are so there. bored with it. <laughs> people are like, we are over this stuff. Like, give it a new name. We don't want to be associated with it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Now, but it was, uh, it was long... They've changed the name to Prudence Metallica. <laughs> it was long thought to have originated in Armenia. But genetic studies have shown that it originally grew in China and Central Asia, and that was where it was domesticated, and then it spread out from there. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I have a question. When someone says ancient times, what do you picture, both in terms of like an image and a time period? (laughs) That's why I put a question mark next to it. Okay. I was like, thanks for the precision, Wikipedia. Ancient times. I think when I hear ancient times, I think of like a person in a togo. Which is very Eurocentric, I know, but yeah, or I like Genghis I, Khan, which I realize times. is a That's different a time different period. time period. Yeah. Wait, was Genghis Khan before or after people in togas? I think after. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I know there's no way to find out. I feel like Genghis I mean, Khan was was Genghis Khan like in the hundreds, like and like peop- the like the, but with the second with century, togas, like around like BCE. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because cause I'm basing this on the on the comic BC, <laughs> but also people still wear togas now. Like at, like whenever at I go toga to like, toga parties, yeah. right? Okay. Which I go to frequently. Okay. Well, anyway, I want to keep talking about Prunus uh, Metallica. Okay. You're about to interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wonder. You know how like like when you discover or or like when you discover a species or something, you get to name it. The, Wait, is that always? That's not how it goes. I think so. I mean, then later, like some other some other taxonomist will come along and say, "Oh no, someone else discovered that first, and or, they get to name it." Or that's not from Armenia. But but like, I wonder if there is something that has the this specific name Metallica, just because the the person was a Metallica fan. Oh, I hope so. It seems like there probably is probably an insect because there are so many species of insects. Okay, cool. We'll find out later. Okay. And let, let everybody know. All right, I won't so, interrupt. So it was domesticated in China and Central Asia, and then spread from there. So to you know to West Asia, including Armenia, Europe, and North Africa, and then east to Japan. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, there are lots of other species that are also um, widely cultivated. The Manchurian apricot, the Japanese apricot, Siberian, Hongping. And and umeboshi is, is like a little apricot. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing about Armenia before we move on. Apricots are the national fruit of Armenia. Okay. But Turkey is the largest producer of apricots. All right. This all led me to thinking about what might be the national fruit of the U.S. Do you want me to guess? I I don't know. Didn't you already see it on the agenda? No. I, I turned it over just in case you put it on there. 
I am going to guess that the national fruit of the U.S., I want to say apples, but I think that's just because we're from Washington and and that's where and we grow the apples. Well, there's also the phrase American is apple pie. That's true. OK, pie. That's my vote. OK. Um, OK. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say a, a hostess cherry hand pie is the national <laughs> fruit of America. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and also uh, a, a sex act that that uh, Generation X is really into. Okay. No, the national fruit of the U.S. is the... The blueberry. Interesting. I feel like like the producers organizations of other fruits like that that there there must have been some sort of real like like you know smoke filled room drag out legislative battle over this probably right yeah okay okay anyway so uh, all, all which you can hear blueberry. about on, on I don't know Radio Lab. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so apricots are droops. Uh, can you once again remind me of what that means? It's a, it, doesn't it like it's got a like a seam? It's got a it's got a seam. So it's so it's from like two like two ovaries fused together. Probably two carpels. I don't remember the difference. And it's got a large it's got a large uh, uh, seed in a protective hard protective coat, and then the flesh is clinging to it. Okay. That's a droop. Okay. It looks a lot. Wow. Wait. You just. You just rip that apricot in two in in like a, the way that like a strong like a like a strong man would rip a phone book in half. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like an old time. Yeah. This is how I think of Tony Negroni uh, doing the apricot. Uh, here, let me see if I can get this one to do Wait, it. Can can I do one? Yeah. Here. Well, sorry. No, no, it's, it's okay. I need I needed you to start it for me. Oh, this is so satisfying. Isn't that so satisfying? And now can I, I start I, eating it? Well, sure. So these are the ones from, uh, I brought some from the farmer's market. This is from Collins Family Orchard. Mm-hmm. These are just from PCC. How is it? Is It, it doesn't is have it a lot of flavor. Okay, let's see. You're right. This one is more on the sweet mm-hmm. end of things, but I'm enjoying it. Okay, Matthew, now. I do like the tanginess of the skin. Okay, try this other okay. one. Mmm, this one has more. That's better. Acidity. Ooh, I, oh, I yeah. like that. Way better. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the texture of the first one is a little better. This one has some has a little stringiness to it, but it's worth it. Oh, I love that. Okay. Anyway, so these kind of look like small peaches. They're even mm-hmm. a little a little fuzzy. So, And one of them has like a peachy blush, which I kind of didn't know you would get in an apricot. Well, here's the thing. So they're usually like, they, they're kind of yellow to orange in color, and they're often reddish on the side most exposed to the sun. Okay. Okay, so the surface usually feels velvety with these short hairs. The flesh is unless you like rub them with some copper tone sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. Banana boat, and then they wouldn't get the uh, the reddish hue. Mm -hmm. You think the flesh is usually firm and not as juicy as other stone fruits. Like I don't, I don't really think about eating an apricot over the sink. Right, you know. Yeah, we've we did a peach episode, right? Mm -hmm. Because like the way I eat a peach is disgusting. No one should have to see it except you. Oh, okay. Did, anyway. uh, did, did you recall this mm. from the peach episode? No. Nope. Wait, no. The the way I ate a grapefruit is worse. I, I remember specifically when we did the grapefruit episode, you were really upset by the way I, I was like slurping at the grapefruit. What, what did you do? What did you do with it? I want to say like I sort of like bite into it and then try and suck the juice out like a vampire, but in a, in a very slurpy way, okay. like an extra slurpy vampire. Hmm. There's another pleasantly tart one. Anyway, the taste runs from from tart to sweet, mm-hmm. and each fruit contains a single seed here, which kind of looks like an almond, right? Same mm-hmm. same genus, right? Same, yeah. And it's got a single seed in there, which is encased in this hard shell. And have you ever extracted the kernel or the seed? 
From an apricot? Mm-hmm. No, but like, isn't, have, isn't that what they use to make to make like amaretto liqueur or something, or amaretto cookies? Maybe is like like mm, apricot do, seeds. I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like they're supposed to be almond flavored, but that would be too expensive. So they use like like. A, do you have like a little bit of apricot that you need to get rid of in your hand? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why don't you just get rid of it, Matthew? <laughs> All right, we're going to talk more about these apricot kernels or or seeds here in a minute. But um, okay, so I good teaser. You and I have both read John McPhee's book Oranges, yeah, right? That for classic. Sure. So that was the first. That was the first encounter I ever had with the idea that f- that like fruits are frequently grown by grafting. Yes, and I still don't totally understand that. I don't I don't really either. Although aren't most or aren't most citrus fruits grown on like sour orange rootstock or something like that or I don't I, I haven't read it in a long time. Me I def- I believe you. If you remember it that way, it's probably right. Okay, well apricot cultivars are usually grown on um, a plum or a peach rootstock. So here's my question about this process, and you may or may not know the answer, and this is a serious question. Where do you get the roots to do that? Do you have to like grow? Do you have to like start by growing a uh, whatever you said rootstock, the uh, plum yeah, or like the peach, plum, plum or peach, and then like kind of saw it off and and graft your apricots onto it? I mean, I'm guessing that sounds so complicated. It does. How um, did, I mean, you developed how did this people figure right? this out? How did you figure it out? Um, I discovered dried pineapple. That was easy. That was just neglect. I'm going to have to get back to you with the, okay. the full story of how I discovered um, grafting. grafting. Um, did you try it first with humans <laughs> and I that did. didn't work go so well? I did. Uh, no, I did learn while researching apricots. I learned that the part that you graft on, like in this case, the apricot like branch or shoot. You just did a motion like you were putting on like a long glove. Yes. Mm-hmm. The part that you like the part that the, the shoot or the branch that you're grafting onto the rootstock is called the scion. Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. That's such a cool word. S-C-I-O-N. Yeah. So um, anyway, apparently the scion is what like will contribute like the flavor and type of fruit, right? This makes sense. You're, t- you're grafting apricot onto yes. a rootstock. But the rootstock, I think, will... I'm trying to remember exactly. The rootstock determines like the... Like whether the plant has a, a rude, bad attitude. Exactly. <laughs> No, it determines like where the plant grows, like the shape the plant grows, like all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it the rootstock doesn't determine the like the flavor or type of fruit. So why do they graft the apricots? Like I know I know like European wine grapes are usually like grafted onto American rootstocks because because like Is otherwise it, they get destroyed by pests. Well, I know that apricots are are frequently like plagued by pests. Yeah. <laughs> There are, yeah, frequent, frequent It's plagues. a biblical fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it probably is, right? <laughs> probably. I like mean, it, given, given like where it was and the, yeah, and the time period. Totally. Well, and, and still today, if you look at where apricots are primarily produced, both fresh apricots and like the production of dried apricots, it's totally like Fertile Crescent situation. Okay. Anyway. We've got a Fertile Crescent situation over here. <laughs> okay. But some of the most popular uh, apricot cultivars in the U.S. are Blenheim, which you might have heard of. Is it Blenheim or Blenheim? Whatever. I don't care. Okay. Wenatchee Moor Park. Like Wenatchee, Washington? I'm not sure. I assume so. Tilton and, right. and Perfection. And Blenheim, or Blenheim, is the one I have mostly heard of, but it's like yeah. kind of rare to find it, at least here in the Pacific Northwest. Are, are Blenheim, Blenheim, Apricot, Brap, Brap, 
<laughs> Go on. Are they frequently dried? I feel like I've seen maybe. So Trader Joe's used to carry dried Blenheim or That's Blenheim apricots. Um, initially, I think they actually had the cultivar name on there. Yeah. And then they began just calling them like California slab apricots. Do you remember that? Yes. That's they, a pretty cool name, too. They were dried like as though the two halves had been separated and dried separately. Do you remember that? Instead yeah. of being like one whole yeah. fruit. Anyway, Trader Joe's, at least in our area, no longer carries those. And it has been a big bummer for me for years I'm still mad at Trader Joe's for discontinuing the uh, Granny Smith apple juice in like 1998. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's time for Mr. Etymology. Do we have a do we have like a segment song for this? I, I, I may, Mr. May we, Etymology. Oh, we're gonna sing the song. Oh, okay. You, you go ahead. You're you're the trained singer here. I'm not the trained musical improviser though. Go on. Uh, words, words, words. <laughs> So the word apricot first appeared in English in the 16th century as abricock. I knew like like an old timey speech, like like Middle English. I know I've heard them called apricocks, which is really funny. It is. This came from the Middle French aubercot or later abricot, which is what is the French word today for apricot. And from the Spanish alboricoc and Catalan albercoc. Okay. In turn from Arabic, al-barkuk. Okay, that makes sense. Which means the plums. And from the Byzantine Greek, berikokia, or apricot tree, which is derived from the late Greek. Go for it. You're you're the one who's been to Greece. (laughs) Prikokion, or apricot, which comes from the Latin persica, Precocia, which oh, is like peach. Oh, like precocious. They're, the, yes. they're a precocious fruit. Early ripening is what precocus. I, 
Okay, means. a couple Early things. ripening. This is so, this is one of the best, this is one of my favorite <laughs> Mr. Etymology segments so far. I can't so even far. follow that. I copied that straight but, from Wikipedia, But now that you've pointed out, it. I can see where where there's like a, pers- a, a uh, you know, oh. persica in, in, uh, in the word apricot. It's really cool, right? right? Like I, I thought they seemed unrelated and now I can see the resemblance. I have a question before we get to the map. Okay, okay, because yeah, then we have a map of the etymology. Here. Um, so sometimes I have learned. I, I listen to a, a, a linguistics podcast called Lexicon Valley. Of course you do. Um, and one thing I've learned is that sometimes in in English and presumably in other languages, a word will change because it's too similar to a word that has become risque or taboo. And the, the classic example is that a rooster used to be called a roostcock, and okay. rooster is a very new word that was oh. popularized purely because people didn't want to go around saying cock anymore. Oh, and I do you wonder think it's if apricot went through the same thing, and they, they were like, "Oh, like we like it's it's uh, unseemly for our women and children to be talking about apricots. Let's uh, let's borrow from the French and call it apricots." Yes, right. Yes, I could totally see this being a real thing. That okay, happened. I want to start listening to this podcast. It's a pretty fun podcast. Okay, yeah. what's it called again? Lexicon Valley. Okay, terrific. Okay, so uh, while I was on Wikipedia, I found a map of the etymology of the word apricot, and it, this really helped helps illuminate what we just talked about. So Precocia, which began in, it comes from Latin, then moved uh, to Greece and be- became Precocion, which became Berecocia in Byzantine Greek. I feel like we're doing the same thing we just did. <laughs> we're only just backwards. doing it in reverse. Okay, okay here we go. Here we go. Then we're going to the Middle East, where we're getting the word in Arabic, Albarkuk. Then we go over to uh, Western North Africa. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Where are we now? Oh, um, oh, oh God, no. Where? Is that... Uh, oh. uh, no, no. Well, now we're going to go back up into Spain. It, it, we're going back up into... There's no word here in North Africa. I wonder if it was Albarcuc all along here. Okay. Is it Morocco over there? Or is that further south? You should not get into this kind of conversation on the podcast because then everyone will see the holes in our geography knowledge. The other day, so one of my coworkers lives in South Africa and I keep like assuming her time zone incorrectly. And I realized it was because I had the idea in my head that South Africa was near Australia. It's really? Not. Yes. So hold on. Is her time zone, in fact, more like the same time zone as like parts of Western Europe or Eastern Europe? Yeah, I think it's like in, like in one or two hours ahead of England. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Got it. Anyway, so it's just this map is really cool. Maybe we can find a way to well, you can go to the Wikipedia page for Apricot and you can see this map, but it's really cool. You see how it makes this clockwise movement from, you know, from ancient Rome down into the Middle East and up into the English apricot that we know today. Of all of these words, do you think the Spanish one is pronounced albaricoque or albaricoque? I don't know. Either I think way, that's my favorite one. I think you're probably right with with your your guess on that one. The first one, albaricoque, like yeah, uh, like porque. Yeah, uh, I wind up turning everything into French slash fake Italian. I I say everything <laughs> everything in a language other than English in a Japanese accent. Perfect. Uh, Hold on. Yeah, we cannot stop. We we cannot move on from talking about the etymology of the word <laughs> apricot without giving a shout out 
to the movie Call Me By Your Name, okay, in which Michael Stuhlbarg and Army Hammer discuss the etymology of the word apricot. Um, that's that's the movie where Little Nas X has sex with the devil, right? That's exactly okay. right. Yes. Anyway. Matthew, have you seen Call Me I By Your Name? Oh I, 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 I saw one ha- scene that you told me to watch because it was about like a dad being a good dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I cried a lot during that one. Um, I I told my I, my therapist knows I really love that movie. Sure. And he watched it and he told me he couldn't finish it. He thought it was too boring. And I was like, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> anyway, I love that movie so much. Even though Army Hammer is um, a, a real trash mm-hmm. fire of a damaging human being. Anyway, okay. Do you like fresh apricots, Matthew? Now that you've been eating them, you still don't. I know. I'll give them like a like a four four point five. Okay, but to, uh, okay, fine. I mean, they can I, be they can be mealy and bland. Even this one that you're eating that's kind of bland is not as bad as they can be, though. They can I, be really bland. So this is your argument for why I should like apricots is that there are even worse apricots out there. <laughs> I'm just saying I've brought you some pretty nice specimens today. I, yeah. Okay. No, I did like I you know I I ate all of the the tart one and I did enjoy it. Am I going to like make it a point to to procure more apricots? No. No. Okay. Well, I I agree. I really like the ones that are nicely acidic and interesting enough, I kind of think it's maybe the smaller ones that I like. These sure. the ones that we didn't like as much are these bigger ones. Um I'm not sure what variety they are, what cultivar, but these smaller ones that I bought at PCC, which is a supermarket here in Seattle. These are really nice. And they're on the smaller side. They're quite, they're firm. They're more firm than you would think. Yeah. I like smaller um, or larger apricots. Great. Personally. Uh, do you like dried apricots? Yes, I do. I would, I would definitely like, I, I don't know when the last time I had a dried apricot was probably a couple of years ago, but based on my experience here, I would choose a dried apricot over a fresh apricot. Just because the flavor is intensified, and I like that kind of leathery texture. It's very uh, satisfying texture, to bite into. The texture, like biting into a whole dried apricot, like the type that you usually get, is so satisfying. It's and I like feel like fudgy almost. If you go to Trader Joe's or probably to to like a natural food store, they're going to have like, like sulfured ones and unsulfured ones. Is that right? Yeah. I, I think I like them both. So my feeling about the unsulfured ones, which so the sulfurization helps preserve the color, and for me, it also helps preserve the flavor. I, I, I mean, you usually hear of it as preserving the color, but I think it preserves the flavor too. Well, and I feel like the sulfured ones are more, are more like plump. They right? are. They're more plump. They're usually the ones that are a beautiful shade of orange. The unsulfured ones are, are kind of almost like brown. Yeah. And I find them to be not nearly as tasty. Okay. Maybe maybe we'll follow this up with a dried apricot i think someone asked us to do like a dried fruit episode which i don't know if we've done maybe we could just like assemble like the dried fruits of our youth i think that sounds great because we we did do prunes dried apricots are truly the dried fruit of my youth yeah me me too like the the dried fruit of my adult adulthood is prunes and uh, (laughs) anyway i especially love uh those like dried blenheim apricots which of course as i mentioned trader joe's has stopped carrying them but my spouse and I drove down to California this spring um, to see some family once we were vaccinated. And I saw some dried Blenheim or Blenheim apricots in a grocery store there and brought them home. And they were gone so fast. Okay. They were so good. I can't believe you didn't bring any. 
Sorry. That's okay. Okay, when you do buy fresh apricots, or maybe this is just a question for me. It's, I think maybe a question for you, because I think probably Molly, the last time I bought a fresh apricot was uh, like 17 years ago. Molly, when you buy fresh apricots, do you just eat them, or do you use them in baking or cooking? That's a great question, Molly. I'm so glad you asked, Molly. So one major thing I do, and I try to do this every summer, is I make apricot jam, which I think is is maybe number two in my hierarchy of homemade jams. Okay, do you want me to guess what number one is? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Raspberry. You're correct. Yes! Well, raspberry jam is just my all-around favorite. I think think probably raspberry is my all-around favorite, too. Could be strawberry. Yeah. But, like, I think think strawberry jam is more likely to be cloying. Yes. I made some strawberry jam this year that's fine. It's a little cloying. Yeah. It's not great. Anyway, okay. So I make jam from apricots and I use um, like a very simple jam method that I learned from a friend years ago. So like one kilo of fruit to half a kilo or a little less of sugar. Okay. So this was a kilo of apricots that I did here with wow. with 400 No, 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 no. Oh, I, I okay. got four jars of jam. Okay. So I got four um four like, if someone here who knew anything about canning like was here to like yeah. like see me assume <laughs> that there was a kilo of apricots in this small jar, they would have laughed at me. Yeah, this is an 8-ounce jar and I got four 8-ounce jars of apricot okay. jam out of a kilo of apricots and I did 400 grams of sugar. Uh, and the juice of half a lemon. Okay. A little bit of salt. And then, but here's the kicker. A couple of years ago, Samin Nosrat wrote in the New York Times about making apricot jam uh, that includes the kernels. All which right. Which in the French word is noyau. And she used that. How do you that. spell that? It's like N-O-I-L-L-O-T? No, uh, it's um, N-O-Y-A-U-X. Wow, I was Lots way of vowels. <laughs> um, anyway, here's the thing. So the kernels, or the seeds, they contain amygdalin, which once inside the human body converts to cyanide. Mm-hmm. I did read from like the Food Safety Administration of Ireland or something that you can eat up you can eat a whole apricot kernel every day perfectly safely. Okay. <laughs> so if you have pica. Yeah. Uh, anyway, although apparently there's a lot of junk science going around about the idea of like apricot kernels curing cancer. So yeah. anyway, please sure. please please use common sense. Anyway, but you I can, mean, apparently, if you eat enough of them, they'll cure anything. Yeah, because you'll be dead. Right. Anyway, you can reduce the amount of amygdalin slash cyanide forming compounds in your apricot kernels by heating them. All right. So I heat. What I do is I take the kernel, I put the kernels um, like in between two dish towels, and then whack them with a hammer to get to the seed inside. To get to the seed inside, and it makes the most satisfying thwack when you get through the hard outer shell. It's so satisfying. So then I take out all the kernels and I just toast them at 300 degrees in the oven or toaster oven for like 10 minutes. All right. Then I put them in a cheese What, is it, what do they bag. smell like? You know, this year when I did it, they didn't give off much of an aroma, but all usually right. usually they smell like almond extract. Oh, yeah. And it's great. And then I put them in a little cheesecloth bag and put them in the apricot jam while it's simmering. And then you extract the bag and go about yes. your business once the jam is done. So um, anyway, should we taste this jam? Yeah. I, I haven't tasted it yet this do we, year. Do we want me to like toast an English muffin or something or just like no, taste it right out of the... No, we can just taste it right, right out of the thing. Apricot 2021. 
Okay, let's see how this is. Hang on. You taste it and see see how much cyanide it has. Oh my god, I think that is so delicious. Mm-hmm. Isn't okay. that so good? See, that's what an apricot is trying to be, I think. Yes. Anyway, I don't think you really get a lot from putting the kernel in there, but I do think it gives like an extra floral thing that wouldn't be there. Yeah, otherwise. plus you get the satisfaction of getting to like smack, smack open some kernels. Yeah, and it's not that difficult. So anyway, if you want to try this, you can uh, look up Samin Nosrat's recipe for apricot jam with the noyau. How about we link to it? Oh, God, we can. Yeah, on the New York Times website. Also, I wrote on my blog a million years ago about sort of my basic jam formula. I think I wrote it up as Italian plum jam, but you can sub in apricots. Yeah, my basic jam formula is just kind of like go back and forth between the one one chord and the four chord, and then you can solo (laughs) over that. Okay. Wait a minute. I just want to reiterate that this was one kilo of apricots to 400 grams of sugar. So a little less than I might do for some other fruits. Okay. No. And I think, I think the, the tartness is perfect. This Isn't is, it so good? This is uh, like, to me, is like a hundred times better than any of the fresh apricots we oh, ate. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. Anyway, I also love to bake with apricots because I, I think anything that you can do with apricots that will concentrate the flavor yeah. is the way to the way to go. Do you make like a fruit tart with like halved apricots? So there's a recipe in the Zuni Cafe cookbook for like a simple, simple apricot tart where basically you make a tart shell, you take quartered apricots that you have tossed with a small amount of sugar and more salt than you would think. Okay. And you bake it and it is so simple. I mean, that is literally all it is. And it is so good. I think I wrote about it like a million years ago on the old blog. Also, I love to take like any really great simple cake recipe, uh, like, you know, a buttermilk cake or God, an almond cake would be great with some halved apricots nestled in the top. Yes. Maybe just sprinkle them lightly with sugar. Oh, love that. We, I mean, I don't want to toot our own horns here, but like we're pretty influential in the world of food, I think. We were, we were called something by the New York Times, like up, up, we were called a podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And do you think we could get people to stop saying apricot and start saying apricot again? Just everybody. Let's see if we can do it for the rest of the episode. All right, let's try it. So let's talk about apricots in culture. All right. So, Matthew, I'm going to ask you to pronounce this Turkish idiom. Bundan iyisi samda kaisi. We absolutely uh, disclaim any pronunciation problems. Anyway, apparently, according to Wikipedia, what this means is the only thing better than this is an apricot in Damascus, which nice. is the Turkish way of saying it doesn't get any better than this. I like it. Isn't that great? Yes. Okay. I don't, I feel like Wikipedia is totally pulling my leg on this one that's coming up. All right. Okay. Yeah. And I want to hear from <laughs> listeners whether or not this is true. According to Wikipedia, in the U.S. Marines, it is considered exceptionally bad luck to eat or possess apricots, especially near tanks. Does anybody know, assuming this is even true, that it, <laughs> that it really is bad luck? Did you find any documentation of like where the superstition might have originated? No, but apparently it's been documented since at least the Vietnam War and is often cited as originating in World War II, though I'm not sure of the exact reason. Even naming them is considered unlucky. So they're referred to as cots or a fruit. 
like how Macbeth is the Scottish play. I was talking with uh, with teenager of the show December the other day, uh, who's who's a uh, theater kid, and I said um, if you if you someone was going uh, to, on their way to their the- uh, to the theater to play Macbeth, and you said to them, "Hey, good luck, Macbeth." Would that be like doubly cursed, or would they cancel each other out? Wait, I didn't know this about Macbeth. Oh, you're not supposed to say Macbeth in the theater. You're supposed to say the Scottish play because it's bad luck. Is this like how you always say break a leg? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Oh, wow. This is our our Thrivia Thrivia. (laughs) Okay. New new segment, Thriving with Thrivia. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, how often does this come up in the Marines? I know. Are they like eating tons of A-fruits? Yeah. Like... (laughs) Really? I don't know. I want to hear from... Especially near tanks. I want to hear from all of our listeners who are U.S. Marines okay, or yeah, former yeah. Marines. Okay. Anyway, that's that's all I've got on apricots. What do you got on apricots? Oh, sorry. I forgot. Should we move on to segments? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to segments. All right. We've got spilled mail. Yay. This one is from listener Colton who asks... I would be interested in hearing from both of you on your leftover pie preferences. My spouse and I don't approach leftover pie the same. If it was originally warm, she likes the leftovers to be warmed in the microwave, preferably a la mode, and who can blame her? I'm 100% fine with that, but it's like I've physically wounded her when she sees me eat a room temperature slice of pie. Here's the thing. I don't eat tepid pie out of pure laziness. I eat leftover pie because I've lied to myself that it is a perfectly good meal on par with a muffin, and microwaving it and adding ice cream pushes that lie beyond credibility. Also, pie that is sat out for a day or two has a different mouthfeel that I find satisfying with the top crust a bit dry and crispy and the bottom doughy and chewy, and I don't want to homogenize that via nuclear fission or whatever. That's how a microwave works. Uh, I just have no idea who is in what camp with this topic, and I'd like to hear your preferences. Listener Colton. Oh, Listener Colton. Well, Matthew, I just want to say that I love that our podcast is a a safe place where people can come talk about their pie preferences. Yes, and I want to hear from Listener Colton's spouse. Please write into the show, contact at SpilledMilkPodcast.com. Let's let's fan the flames of this dispute. Let's do. Um, Okay, so here's my feeling. Let's microwave the flames. So... uh, Here's my feeling. I I think we discussed this on the cobbler episode. I don't really want my fruit desserts warm. I don't want them warm. And I don't know if this is related to the fact that I often like eating fruit cold, which we discussed on a long ago episode and our listeners set themselves on fire afterwards. That's true. Do you remember that? Yes. You and I both talked about really liking to eat fruit when it's cold. They reacted as if we had like gotten into a tank holding a sack of apricots. (laughs) Anyway, exactly. Uh, Anyway, so here's my thing. I don't really want any of my fruit desserts warmed. I mean, like, I'll eat it when it's still, like, tepid or, you know, like, barely warm out of the oven. But I I don't – I'm not going to rewarm it for sure because in addition to the texture that you're talking about, uh, the you know, the day-old texture, I also like the kind of, like, fudgy, gloopy texture of the room-temperature fruit. So you're on you're on listener Colton's side. I it am like. listener Colton. I'm there for you. Okay, so for me, like if we're talking about pie, I agree with you and listener Colton. I would rather have a room temperature piece of pie than a reheated piece of pie. What would you do if you had stored the pie in the refrigerator? That's what I was about to get to. Okay. So as you know, recently I've been on a slump kick. 
Yes. Oh, weren't you going to give us a slump date? Uh, I mean, a slump update? Yes. What was the update supposed to be? Oh, how, how is it when it's like day old? Yes. That uh, this because, constitutes the slump date right be, be, now because the recipe. Hold on to to bring yeah. readers up to speed. The recipe yeah, said readers that thanks slump, for reading our show. That slump like doesn't keep well and doesn't reheat well and and needs to be eaten right out of the pot. Right. So I do think. Well, first of all, right out of the pot, it's too hot to eat. You it know needs what to I cool meant. for a few minutes. Yeah. But and I did like the hot slump, but. I didn't want to store it at room temperature. It was, you know, mm. it's very liquidy and like I was afraid it would it would go off in some way, okay. right? So I put the leftover slump in the fridge and the next day I microwaved it kind of up to room temperature, like not not to up to hot, mm-hmm. but I did I did introduce some nuclear fission to the okay. equation. Okay. And it reheated great. Wow. I wonder what the deal is. Yeah. With, uh, huh, I'm so glad for this slump date because I've been wanting to make more slump. Yeah. No, it was I really liked it. I don't think anyone else in the family really liked it the way I did, but so, I'm going to slump again. Hold on. But you were starting to say something about a uh, cold pie. Oh, well, do would you ever store a leftover pie in the fridge or, or like? I mean, you store a cooling pie on a windowsill and then a bandit comes and takes it. I know that. I just had this thought when I made cobbler recently um, because usually I will store leftover cobbler in the fridge. But I thought to myself, why not just leave it out? If this were a pie, I would leave it out. Yeah. Is, Is there it feels a little different to me, but I don't know why. Me neither. Anyway, yeah, I I think I agree with you. I don't want a hot fruit dessert. I want a strawberry shortcake where the biscuit has just cooled. Um, so yeah, but I, like if, if, if I went over to, if I was hanging out with listener Colton's spouse and they, and they heated up some pie and put a scoop of ice cream on it, would I, would I uh, refuse? No, that sounds good, but it wouldn't be my, my first choice. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, listener Colton, I mean, it sounds like we are really on your side here. Yeah. We, we, any, any crazy thing that a listener sends in, we agree with you. Um, Let's test that. Okay, I can't wait. Okay, well okay, that was that to, was great. Let's move on to now, but wow. So this week's Now But Wow from me is a cookbook that came out, let's see, when did this come out? Like in 2020, I, I think? I think so. Um, it is called In Bibi's Kitchen, and it is by Hawa Hassan with friend of the show, Julia Tertian. Past guest. The subtitle, I think, says it all. Recipes and stories of grandmothers from the eight African countries that touch the Indian Ocean. That's I, I love the, the specificity of that. Right? Yeah. Anyway, Hawa Hassan it was born in Somalia in the middle of a civil war. And I love the way that she has shaped this book. So Bibi, in Bibi's kitchen, mm-hmm. Bibi means grandmother in Swahili. So this book... It's so delightful. It kind of, you know, there's a little part of it that reminds me of, so Julia Tertian's wife, Grace Bonney, made a book called In the Company of Women, mm-hmm. interviewing, and it, it's made up of interviews and beautiful photographs of women um, who have done amazing things creatively, mostly. And this book has that same wonderful kind of interview format, yeah. which I love. So you get to know these grandmothers. It is gorgeous visually and also has 
what look to be incredible recipes. I, in fact, on the way over here, got a little bit distracted. Everything you've, you've flipped past sounds like something I want to make. Right. Um, there's a Somali flatbread in here that looks incredible. From Mozambique, there are leafy greens and coconut sauce, steak and piri-piri sandwiches. Rum with homemade berry soda. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Anyway, so this book is gorgeous. I'm so excited to have it in my hands. So that's In Bibi's Kitchen by Hawa Hassan with Julia Tertian. All right. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, catch up with other people who listen to the show on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. If, uh, if you got a question for us, you can send it in for spilled milk by emailing us at contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. What else do the people need to know? I think our listeners know everything now. I think our listeners now know everything about apricots, life. And until next time, uh, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The show that's a real A-fruit. I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. <laughs> and I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> And then you whisper Mr. Etymology at the end. Oh, sorry. Let's do it again. Words, words, words. Mr. Etymology. Chapter one. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.